You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. Let's step into the Word of God. I'm very excited about this message today on this very important Sunday in a hugely important week in the life of our nation. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we have an election this week. Have you seen any of the the ads or the, the campaigns maybe? Yeah? Nobody? Nobody's paying attention? Okay, well, there is a presidential election this week in the life of our country, and this is a very pivotal time in our nation's history. Certainly an important week in the life of this nation. And so my heart and my prayer for us, the church, is that as we go into this week, many of you have already voted, I know that, but as we go into this week, we would go into this week with a proper perspective rooted and grounded in the hope that we have laid before us through the word of God revealing what Christ has done for us. Here's the message for today and the message for this week. Those who are in Christ Jesus have hope regardless of what happens this week. That is good news. And so we want the word of God to drive us in this conversation and to show us, perhaps for the first time, but many to remind us of what God has invited us into to give us a future and a hope. First Peter chapter two is where we're gonna spend some time this morning. And I'm gonna start by reading verses nine and 10. I'd like to invite you to stand if you're willing and able to do so with me so that we all can be reminded as we stand. If you're joining us online, we do this each week. We wanna be reminded as we stand for the reading of God's word, that the word of God is our foundation as the church of Jesus Christ, as the people of God. The word of God is our authority. It is what God reveals to us is right and good and true. We need some right and good and true right now. And so we turn our attention to the word of God. This is what the scripture says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Is that speaking to you? Let's pray that God would have his way among us and show us what we need to see on this most important day. Father, as we stand before you now and turn our attention to the proclamation of your word, it is my prayer that you would have your way among us. 
We come into this time from so many different places with so many different stories and backgrounds and situations that we are navigating. And Lord, you bring us together in the power of your spirit so that we might hear what you desire for us to hear. So open our ears, open our hearts to be receptive to what you desire for us to receive. And Lord, on this most important week, this very important week in the life of our nation, we are praying, Lord God, for this country. We are asking you, Lord God, to show us your way. And as your church, we are asking you to give us the faith to believe that you are in control and reigning over all things, including an election. So Lord, use this time to draw our hearts to you for how we need you. This time is yours. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Well, it has been said many times in recent months that one of the things 2020 will be known for is the year of the yard sign. Have you seen any yard signs lately? You may have a few, right? They're everywhere. People are putting out yard signs to say what they believe in, putting out yard signs, of course, as it relates to this election and who they'll be voting for or who they have voted for. People are putting out yard signs because they are passionate about certain things that they want to communicate. I recently was running through a... a, an area close to our house and I saw a yard sign in a yard that listed like 10 different things on it. I'm like, man, I gotta stop and slow down just to understand who these people are and what matters to them. A lot of things that we're passionate about, a lot of things that, that we want to communicate in this unsettled, uncertain time. And here's what it often reveals. This may not be true of everyone who puts out yard signs, but oftentimes when we, when we stake something in the ground with passion, with enthusiasm, we are staking something in the ground that says, hey, this is who I am. I want you to know as you walk by or drive by my house, this is what matters to me. This is what I believe. This is where I stand. And for so many, their passion is wrapped up in their identity. I am so passionate about these issues because this is who I am. I'm so passionate about my person winning because this is who I am. As we step back into the word of God here this morning on this very important week in the life of our nation, we see that the word of God is speaking to us about this topic of identity. We just read it. First Peter chapter two says to the people of God, you have an identity as God's people. So who are God's people? To really understand what the scripture is talking about, we've gotta first take a step back and say, who are God's people? Are we all God's people? 
Are we all God's children? You may have heard that term before, college students. You may hear that get kicked around. Hey, we're all God's children. Are we? Go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. The beginning of this very important book, this great letter written by the apostle Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Look at what it says in the introduction of this letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to, listen to these, these words, caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Who are God's people? Are you born into the kingdom of God? Are you born as a child of God? No, according to the scripture, you are not born into the people of God. You are born again into the kingdom of God. Born again into a new life, a new identity, a new people, a new chosen race, the scripture says, a people for God's possession. You are God's people when you have received the gift of salvation that comes through Christ alone. Are you God's people? For if you are God's people, you have been given a new identity as a child of the king of kings. And as a child of the king of kings, you are given a new citizenship. This new identity comes with a new citizenship in a kingdom that is not of this world. That's what verse nine is all about. This chosen race, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, this people for God's possession that Peter is talking about. This is a, a kingdom that is not of this world. And Peter is saying to those who are truly children of God, the people of God, members of the kingdom of God, you are a part of a greater kingdom than, than any kingdom of this world in which you currently dwell. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And you serve a higher authority than any human authority, a higher authority that is reigning and ruling over all the kingdoms of the world. That's what we're stepping in here today. So how do you live as a child of God, the people of God, a citizen of the kingdom of God, specifically in the midst of a very hostile and divisive election season, how do we navigate all this? How do we view political authority? The scripture is going to take us there. The scripture is showing us if, if you are a member of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, 
There's a very specific way in which you are to live as a citizen of the land in which you dwell. Look at the first thing that we see here in 1 Peter chapter 2. We are to live as strangers in a foreign land. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11. Beloved, I urge you, Peter writes, as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, flesh which wage war against your soul. We are to live as strangers in a foreign land. Sojourners, exiles, immigrants in a foreign land. This is how the scripture views those who are followers of Jesus Christ. You are a citizen of a different kingdom Altogether, a kingdom again that stretches over all the kingdoms of men. This reorients our perspective altogether. This, this messes with our categories. Because, in a sense, the scripture is saying here if you are a member of the kingdom of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, you actually have more in common with a follower of Jesus Christ from France or China or Indonesia or Afghanistan than you have in common with the people who might be living on your street and are citizens of the same land in which you dwell. Are we living as citizens of a higher kingdom. This is a completely different way of viewing our citizenship. The word of God is gonna lead us to see that if you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, your life should look different than the citizens around you who are only citizens of the land in which you dwell. I love this quote from Dr. Russell Moore in his great book, Onward, as he talks about how the church interacts with culture as it seeks to live the mission. He says this, the world system around us, the cultural matrix we inhabit, is alien to the kingdom of God with different priorities, different strategies, and a different vision of the future. If we don't see that we are walking a narrow and counterintuitive road, we will have nothing distinctive to say because we ha will have forgotten who we are in the kingdom. We see how the gospel connects to culture and to mission. And perhaps most importantly, in the kingdom of God, we see who we are and where we are headed. Do you see that? Do you see in the kingdom of God that the gospel sets you apart to live, to sound, to behave differently than the others living around you in the world? We're to live as strangers in a foreign land. Members of a kingdom, please hear this, a kingdom that has no end. Right now, as citizens of the United States of America, those who are joining us as citizens of the United States of America, this might shock you, but you are citizens of a kingdom 
that will have an end. We don't know when that will be. We pray it is hundreds and hundreds of years from now. We have no idea what the future holds for this nation. But we do know kingdoms rise and fall, but the kingdom of God stands forevermore. We are citizens of a higher kingdom. And this should reorient our view as we look at the world around us. We go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. We see a second thing that Peter lays before the people of God. Look at what it says. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers. Has that been happening? This, this is becoming our new norm, right? If you're gonna be a follower of Christ in this culture, someone's gonna speak against you as an evildoer. If you really believe what the Bible says, that's where we are. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The scripture is showing us here that if you are a member of the kingdom of God, not only do you live as a stranger in a foreign land, but you live as an ambassador of the king. You live as an ambassador of the king. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents the king to a foreign land. An ambassador lives in such a way that those in a foreign land can understand who the king is and what the king has done. And Peter is saying to those who are members of the kingdom of God, those who are followers of Jesus, your conduct, your speech, your tone, your tweets, they matter. They matter because the world is watching to see if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, what is the kingdom really like? For a follower of Jesus, a member of God's kingdom is an ambassador of the king of kings. Your conduct matters not to save yourself. Salvation is a gift of mercy. That's what the scripture shows us. Your conduct matters to point others to the gift you have received. Now, I love studying history, specifically history of this nation. And I read a fascinating account of something that took place in the early 1800s in New England. The year specifically was 1805. And some members of the Boston Missionary Society requested a meeting with some members of the Iroquois Indian tribe. And there was tension between the, Ameri the new Americans and the Native Americans. And so this meeting became somewhat of a significant event that the Iroquois Indians said, yes, we will meet with you and we will listen to what you have to say. And the members of the Boston Missionary Society were excited. They were gonna get to share their faith with these Native Americans and seek to point them to the good news of what Christ had done. And so a compelling case was made by a specific missionary as he shared with the Iroquois tribe. 
And at the end of him sharing the message of the Christian faith, one of the members of the tribe was appointed as the orator of the tribe or the spokesman for the tribe. His name was Chief Red Jacket. He was the chief of the wolf clan of the Iroquois Indians. And he responded in a very respectful manner to the message of the Christian faith that the tribe had listened to. He was very honoring to the missionaries who had shared. But at the end of his well thought out response, this is what Chief Red Jacket said to the missionaries. Listen to these words. Brother, we are told that you have been preaching this message to the white people in this place. These people are now our neighbors. We are acquainted with them. We will wait a little while and see what effect your preaching has upon them. If we find it does them good, makes them honest, and less disposed to cheat Indians, we will then consider again what you have said. If we look at those who claim to believe what you believe as a member of the Christian faith and we see evidence in their life that leads us to believe the message you proclaim is true, perhaps we'll be willing to consider. That is an incredibly convicting statement in light of what the scripture reveals in Second Peter. That the people of God have been called to have their conduct and their speech be given in such a way and demonstrated in such a way that the world around us who is watching can see a representation of the king we say we represent. I'm just curious. If people look at your life and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, why would they believe what you say is true? Is there evidence? Are there reasons? How do you treat the people who disagree with you? How do you treat the people on the opposite side of the aisle from you? How have you been treating those of a different political persuasion than you in this election season? Are you giving any evidence at all that you are actually an ambassador to a higher kingdom, the kingdom of God reigned and ruled by the king of kings? I believe this simple statement with all of my heart. I believe this is true for everyone. People will not care what we believe until they first believe we care about them. That's what Peter is laying before us here in the text. Your conduct matters as the world looks at you 
and seeks to understand what you say you believe. People will not care what we believe until they first believe we care about them. And think about how true this is in your life when when someone is against you or someone slanders you or speaks bad of you. If you know they don't care about you, it's gonna hurt, but it's easier to move on. But if it's somebody you really care about and they say something to you that's hard to hear, perhaps you're more inclined to listen. People will not care what we believe until they first believe that we care. Are we living as ambassadors of the king that genuinely care about those around us, seeing the hope that we have through what Christ has done and hearing the message of his mercy and grace? And then finally, it gets into the political sphere. It gets into how we interact with those who are the ruling authorities of the land in which we dwell. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. It says to the people of God, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. That's an important statement. We should pay attention to this, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. I believe that's a verse that was written for social media. What is this saying to us? This is hard for us to hear. Those who are a part of the kingdom of God, those who are the people of God, are to live with respect for authority. Live with respect for authority, even the authority you don't agree with, even the authority that's on the different, a different side of the agenda than you, even the authority, please hear this, that makes your life a whole lot harder. Sometimes the historical context helps us with this reality Peter is writing this letter at a time when Rome is ruling the world. And the Roman Caesar, who is in authority over all the land, who also was appointing governors who ruled in the different regions of the land, was a guy by the name of Nero, Emperor Nero. Nero was lighting his parties at his palace with torches made out of Christians. And Peter says, through the divine inspiration of the Spirit of God, that you are to be subject to the ruling authority even if he's evil and corrupt. This is incredibly challenging for us to hear. This is very difficult for us to hear in our cultural context where we have had so much freedom and so much religious freedom specifically throughout the history of this nation. But Peter is writing to a group of people who had no freedom whatsoever in the early church. Religious persecution was not the exception, it was the rule. 
And Peter is saying to the church, please don't miss this, God is in control and the way you live on the margins of society, on the fringes of the establishment is going to make an impact. You may not see it now, It may be hard for you to know, but 2,000 years from now, there will be people gathered all around the world proclaiming the name of Jesus, looking to Christ as their only hope because of the faith you have right now today in the face of an oppressive emperor. That's an amazing thing to consider. We lose sight of the big picture all the time. We lose sight of the fact that kingdoms rise and fall, even Rome. And Peter is saying to the church, God is in control. And all authority, please hear this. This is the theology of our faith. All authority is only in authority because God has granted that authority. This is good and bad. Hey, listen, this means when your guy wins or the other guy wins, authority is given by God alone. And God uses the authority of the good to show people his faithfulness. And God uses the authority of the corrupt or bad to show people their need for God. God is at work using all authority for his glory. And so then, with that in mind, how do we interact with the world around us? Well, again, in a statement that I believe was written just for 2020, the scripture says, you do not silence fools by fighting with them, by arguing with them, You silence fools by doing good. For this is the will of God. I mean, how many of you know this year specifically? Ignorant fools love an argument, right? Of course, of course. The church of Jesus Christ understands ignorant fools love an argument, so we're not gonna get on social media and engage with ignorant fools in an argument. We're gonna live for what is good. Boy, I wish we believed that. That's what the word of God says. There's a lot of Proverbs about this. I love the Proverbs. One of my favorites is Proverbs 29, verse nine. Proverbs 29, verse nine. It says this. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs and there is no quiet 2020 social media. Why are we still doing this, people? If a wise man has an argument with the fool, the fool says, thank you, this is what I wanted. The fool rages and laughs and there is no quiet and we have hostility and division and no one wants to listen to what we say because we're just yelling and arguing. No, it's the will of God. The will of God that the people of God would live in such a way 
that it is clear they are ambassadors of the king. They are living as citizens of a higher kingdom under a higher authority, trusting that their king, the king of kings, is sovereign and reigning over all. And so this is what we see as we wrap this up in verses 16 and 17. 1 Peter chapter 2 says to the people of God, live as people who are free. Live as people who are free. Live as people who are free because that's what you are. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Why? Because you are free. And listen to this. Your freedom is not something that comes from the emperor. Your freedom is something that comes through Christ alone. Christian, live as one who is free because you are And remember, these verses were written to a people that were under the oppression of a ruthless, reigning ruler. They had no political freedoms at all. No political freedoms at all. And the scripture says, live as one who is free. Because when you are free in Christ, you are free indeed. So trust the freedom that God provides. Listen, I I gotta say this as we close because I don't want anyone to be confused. I love the United States of America. I love this nation. Man, I was born on the 4th of July. You can't get any more patriotic than that. I mean, come on. I'm a fireworks baby. I love this country. I, I believe we live in the greatest country in the world. We have the most freedoms of any people in the history of the world in this nation. But please hear this. There are countless people living in the home of the land of the free and the home of the brave who are not free at all. They have lots of rights, lots of privileges, Lots of opportunities, but they are not free. They are in bondage to their sin and their shame. They they want to be free. They are fighting passionately for more freedom to hold on to the, the freedom that they have granted by the land in which they dwell, but they are not free. And they are in desperate need of true freedom. True freedom that comes through Christ alone. At the same time, there are people, countless people all around the world living in countries of tremendous persecution, tremendous oppression, who have very few rights and privileges, who can only dream of living in a land that has the amount of rights and privileges that we have, and they are living free because of what Christ has done for them. You can find it all around the world. True Freedom comes from Christ alone. So let freedom ring. Let's live in light of the freedom we have been granted. Let's live according to the true freedom that we have in Christ. And let's live in such a way that the beautiful freedom of the gospel that is our hope is so clearly put on display 
for the world around us to see. Hey, if you haven't already voted and you legally are able to vote, you need to vote. By all means, vote. Vote your conscience. Vote your convictions. Vote what you believe a follower of Christ should vote between you and God. Do it passionately. But as you vote, remember where true freedom comes from. And remember whose kingdom you belong to. And remember whose ultimate authority you will one day stand in front of. And know that if you are a part of the kingdom of God, as a people of God, you are part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, covered in him, his mercy, his grace, and his love. So live in light of the identity you have received as a people of God. And show the world who the true king really is. Let me pray as we close. Oh, Father, how grateful I am that you are reigning over all, and at the end of this week, you will be reigning over all. It's been a time of tremendous tension, difficulty, hostility, and division, but in the midst of tension, difficulty, hostility, and division, you have given your church, your people, an unprecedented opportunity in unprecedented times in this land to point to the true king. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray with all of my heart that your people would have a vision that is a true kingdom vision as we look at this week and the days ahead. I pray, Lord God, that your people, the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, would be a strong, clear, and compelling witness of the beautiful gift we have in the gospel and a picture of true hope to a world that is so desperately longing for hope and wanting to be free. Lord, please open our eyes to see this opportunity in front of us and use us as your ambassadors to point to the beautiful gift that is found in trusting the King of Kings. And Lord, my heart is heavy My heart is heavy for those who are longing for hope. Those who have been hurting. Those who have been hurt by others. Lord, my heart is heavy for those who are longing to see something new and different and they believe, they believe that it can come from an earthly leader reigning in a temporary kingdom. And so I pray, Lord God, 
that they would see that true hope is found in Jesus Christ. I pray that today there would be some who would find citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that has no end. I pray there would be some today that would recognize they need the Savior. They need hope that is that is greater than the things of this world. I pray that you would give them the faith to trust in Jesus, the Savior and Lord. Even now, there are some, Lord, they're wrestling. Just give them the word in their heart to say, I need Jesus. Jesus, I trust in you. You are my king. You are my Lord. You are my only hope. Oh, we praise you, Lord God, for the message of salvation. We are reminded that once we were not a people, once we had not received mercy, but in Christ, we are a people, your people. And we have received mercy because of what Christ has done. So we praise you for that good news. And we pray, Lord God, that you would use us to point people to that beautiful gift in such an important week in the life of this nation. May you have your way. May your will be done. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.